Today's podcast is brought to you by Tape Call, a super valuable tool for journalists and professionals looking to record crystal clear calls on their smartphones. We spoke to the folks over at Tape Call and learned that it's actually the number one business app for the iPhone in over 30 countries. Tape Call lets you easily record your incoming and outgoing calls, as well as share your recordings with colleagues, interviewees, and through social media. It's a perfect tool for recording phone interviews. Tape Call keeps people honest and accountable and ensures that you never miss an important detail for a story. Over 3 million professionals, including local news journalists and even CNN producers, trust Tapacall on a day-to-day basis. Visit tapacall.com slash podcast today and experience the easiest, most reliable, and convenient call recording app available. It's All Journalism listeners can get Tapacall at an exclusive 20% off discount by visiting tapacall.com slash podcast. So, I mean, I think when you say clickbait, you need to to understand what clickbait is. I, I think oftentimes you, you think about schemes of, of trying to get people to click. Like it's almost you're like you're tricking people into to clicking an article. But honestly if they're they're clicking on an article and then, you know, because it's ten things that you want to know about some topic, if they're if they click on the article and they, they start to read and, and they get down through the article, that's not really clickbait. That that's just good engaging material. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital media and the people who make it. This time around, I've got a conversation I had with Chris Bro, a data scientist and team leader at Chartbeat. Chartbeat is a company that uh, provides data analytics for publications. And uh, today we're talking about headlines. As a matter of fact, we're having a very nerdy conversation about headlines, which is okay because... Uh, sometimes some of us writing good headlines is pretty much all we're thinking about some days. I know I know for me that's an ongoing challenge is how to come up with headlines that are clickable, that are going to get people to want to read our content at Federal News Radio. What we do at Federal News Radio is we use a program called Taboola uh, that allows us to do A-B testing. And uh, I should probably sort of explain what that is for those of you who don't use it. A-B testing is a process where you uh, test one headline or multiple headlines against each other to determine which one is the most appealing to your readers and therefore generates the most clicks, the most page views, and gets more people to read the content that you've got there on your website. I think some people, when they when they think about A-B testing, when they think about you know, headline writing for a website. They're they're a little concerned about creating sort of clickbait type headlines or or uh, BuzzFeed type headlines that uh, may not be as quote unquote journalistic as you know our traditional headline writing. But as everything else has sort of changed, as uh, journalism has moved into the digital realms, so have many of our preconceptions about uh, the function of the headline and what constitutes a good headline in the digital environment. So I found this a really great conversation. It's something, you know, again, headlines, uh, coming up with good clickable headlines, headlines that are appealing to to readers, that's something I deal with, you know, every day and many times a day as I I try to, you know, get people to, you know, come to our content. And, And I think it's probably a challenge that all of us who are working in the digital realm face. And I hope you find this uh, conversation with Chris to be really informative. One other piece of uh, background information before we get uh, started. I uh, became sort of aware of Chris and uh, what Chartbeat is doing in in sort of 
looking at its data analytics to sort of determine what makes a good headline. In an article that that appeared last November uh, that was sort of referencing a report that Chartbeat had done, and this is a study that uh, Chris was involved in where they took uh, 10 different types of headlines, you know, questions, uh, shorthand headlines, long, long headlines, and they uh, looked at all of the data that they uh, from a number of their customers and, and determined, uh, you know, tried to determine which type of headline was the best performer. So we start off our conversation with Chris explaining what went into that study. Enjoy. So the, the study had, I guess, two major aims. Uh, first, we wanted to establish uh, a best set of practices for headline uh, testing. So one of the things that, that my product team um, is working on is, is a product called Engage Headline Testing, um, where we're sort of directly enabling some of our clients to, to help test one headline against another. And we've sort of given them a number of sort of guidelines. Hey, you should use terse, punchy headlines. You should make sure that the headlines that you're testing are, are distinct, just changing the order of two words is probably not going to be as useful as testing two different ideas or two different approaches. And, you know, clients constantly come in and ask us, well, how many t- headlines should we be testing for each of the spots? Um, and we wanted to give them some guidance and use some of the, the data that we've collected over the past six months or so in order to sort of give them a sense of how they can best optimize their use of, of headline testing as a tool to improve their, their own writing. And secondly, we wanted to examine a number of different headline types to see if we could help editors to get smarter about you know, deciding which headlines might perform better. Um, and when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about there are a number of style guides that suggest that um, it might be good to try to ask a question or use numbers or use short headlines or long headlines. And we wanted to actually you know, put those suggestions and intuitions to the test to see if they actually performed as, as well as people might suggest they did. Yeah, one of the words that you sort of mentioned there that, that I kind of want to jump off on is is intuition. Without the sort of level of data analytics that, that are available to a lot of newsrooms now, a lot of people are just sort of making assumptions based on their own journalistic judgment, um, maybe some anecdotal feedback that they get from from readers a sense of, you know, maybe what they're clicking on. But unless you actually kind of look and start examining the performance of how the stories are doing and and, and how people are are finding your stories and and whether they're clicking on them, you know, you are just relying strictly on an intuition. So the more data you have at your your fingertips, you know, the better decisions you can make. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think one of the the most powerful things about – headline testing is it allows you to to try out different ideas for the same article. Oftentimes, it's, it's very difficult to, to decide whether, you know, something's getting more clicks because it's, it's an interesting topic or whether it was really the headline that was drawing people to, to read that article. When you're running a real sort of A-B test where you're comparing the different headlines, um, you strip away a lot of the sort of confounding variables and you allow headline editors to to see what it really is that's that's causing a headline to be successful, and it gives them a way to validate that quantitatively. Yeah, and what's nice is you can sort of get a sense of over time what your you know the voice that your uh, your audience wants to get headlines in. But that being said, you know it's not it always is con- it always seems to be constantly changing. 
You know, the one thing that, that I would say about this is it, this is something I've been doing in the last couple of months has been started to do some A-B testing. When I came across your report and, you know, one of the things you mentioned is, you know, how many headlines do you test? And the report gives some uh, reasons why maybe you don't want to just test one headline. Maybe you want to test or alternate headline. Maybe you want to test two, three, four or five different headlines uh, for various reasons. You, it gives you a better sense of thinking about headlines in different ways uh, that that coming at coming at a problem from different angles so maybe a question works better with this type of story or maybe maybe you give the person's name or the company's name or whatever or maybe you don't maybe you sort of tease to it there you, there seems to be you know my experience my limited experience it doesn't seem to be a hard and fast answer it, it's just something that's just continually changing and sort of growing so what was methodology for your for your study so we collected data from over 10,000 experiments that, that have been run on our platform from more than 100 different publishers who sort of opt in to allow us to aggregate their data in, a, in an anonymous way. The, the first part that I described was uh, mostly an exploratory analysis, you know, just looking at the data and trying to quantify some of the correlations between, you know, what the prominence of a, a link position is and how many trials you might need to um, determine succinctly that that one headline is better than another, and um, also you know how that relates to the number of headlines that you're testing. The second part, we were really in order to sort of answer questions about how one headline or one type of headline compares to another. We're really trying there to um, use metrics that are um, determined within the context of the experiment itself. Um, one sort of mistake you could make there is just trying to get the average click-through rate, for instance, for short headlines. And what you might find is that it might be high, but it might be high because those headlines are more likely to be used in prominent positions. So by sort of narrowing that scope um, to, you know, comparing uh, the performance of headline A in, in the in a given spot versus headline B, you're really, you're stripping away some of the confounders again and getting at the essence of what made that headline work. Um, so we, using the, our set of experiments, looked at all the experiments where you had, say, a, a headline with a question against a headline without a question, and you see how that performance stacked up. Oh, considering you were measuring different publishers with different types of audiences, with broad, what broad conclusions were you kind of able to draw from your experiment? Well, I think the biggest takeaway for me was that the you know the types of headlines we looked at actually didn't turn out to be that particularly predictive of you know feature performance. You know, we looked at twelve or so different headline types, and only one really had an un unambiguously statistically significant uh, performance. There is this question of, you know, we're, since we are measuring over different publishers, can we really make general statements? And I, I think to answer that question, it, it's really an indication. I, I think that you're going to be able to suggest what might work in, in a general context. But I think it's also important to take a step back um, if you're an individual publisher and then actually try to validate that. Make sure that's actually working for you because the portion of the variation between different headlines that you can measure from you know such techniques is, is just a very small part of what 
actually might determine the success of that headline or not. Also, you know, some headlines may not work for whatever your particular audience is. You know, BuzzFeed famously, you know, has a has a really successful formula in creating clickable headlines, but those type of headlines may not work on other, you know, other types of uh uh, platforms, you know, longer headlines or question headlines may not be as effective in in certain websites. You mentioned that there was one that was a one type of headline that had a distinct variable that you could sort of say, "Hey, this is different." What, what one was that? So that was um, the use of demonstrative adjectives. So that's words like um, this, these, that, those, and honestly, I, I was surprised by this result um, because I, I thought, you know, the the style of headline would be questions that, that would end up being um, successful. But when I sat down to think about it, you know, what makes up a headline that has a demonstrative adjective, oftentimes that can introduce some sort of intrigue to, to what you're saying. Instead of saying something outright, you might be able to allude to it obliquely by saying, um, the, this color is the best is the best color to have for a car. This uh, right. this type of thing is, is something that's going to. Ex- Boy, these are terrible headlines. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you you won't believe what this politician did as a real BuzzFeed right. headline type headline. <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, rather than the naming, and that was another thing. You know, as as I've done more uh, headline writing and looking at analytics, the the idea that. You know, old style headline writing for newspapers. I mean, you gave a lot of information in the headline because that was kind of the hook to bring people in. But it seems that that hook is sort of changed. That you know, headlines where you have demonstrative uh, words uh, like you were describing, or or that present some uncertainty. Well, maybe you don't name the person who's resigned or the Harry Potter actor who who just died. Maybe you just say that. And that sort of generates click because people want to find out, you know, what that that mystery is. I mean, that that's absolutely true. And you know, one of the things that we try to do in in our when we are conducting headline tests is to actually measure the people once they reach that page. Are they going to continue reading and and find out who it is, or are they just going to get to that page and find out, oh, um, it's it's this actor, and then you know go away because they, they found out what they're looking for. The mystery is resolved. So, um, you know, when we conduct experiments, you know, that that's one of the things we're trying to optimize for, to make sure that when we say that a, a headline is better, um, we, we quantify, you know, what better is. And what we hope to mean by that is to actually get audience, uh, our, our readers to read the material that we're writing. Yeah, to to engage in the material as opposed to just I guess it's a, if your only metric that you really care about is page views, then you're going to write headlines that that are clickable. But if you want to generate engagement, you know maybe that prompts a different type of headline strategy, headline writing strategy. How important is headline testing to improving web website and performance? When we're talking about website performance, we're we're really talking about getting users to to read and engage with this content and and inspiring them to come back. I I, I don't think that headline writing in and of itself is a is a substitute for you know putting out well written, engaging content in the first place. But I mean, as a homepage editor, it is really an important tool that you can help capture the attention of your readers. You know, in the context of a Specific article, it can help quite a bit from the homepage. Um, we've seen examples where the number of clicks we get after a, a headline test is two to three times what it was 
from the original headline or even from the second best headline in a test. I think we kind of touched on the idea of like like a BuzzFeed type head, headline, a, a clickbait type headline. Mm-hmm. Do those, I mean, you know, what you said before about, you know, measuring the, the 10 or 12 different types of headline, is there, I mean, do those type of headlines, the clickbait type of headlines perform differently, better, worse, about the same? So, I mean, I think when you say clickbait, you need to to understand what clickbait is. I, I think oftentimes you, you think about schemes of, of trying to get people to click. Like it's almost you're like you're tricking people into to clicking an article. But honestly if they're they're clicking on an article and then, you know, because it's um, ten things that you want to know about some topic, if they're if they click on the article and they, they start to read and, and they get down through the article, that's not really clickbait. That that's just good engaging material. I, I think it's probably the uh, the idea of uh, delivering on whatever promise you've made in the headline is, you know, that's going to create the, the engagement. Although, you know, on the other hand, the thing we talked about, the, the, the dead actor or the, um, uh, or the person who was arrested or whatever, if you don't give their name, I mean, that doesn't necessarily engender long engagement if, if all they want is the answer to that one question. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that some of the the ideas or the things that we looked at were an attempt to see if we could figure out which ones are you know leading headlines trying to get you to, to find out a piece of information and that's you know one of the reasons why we wanted to include demonstrative adjectives in our list on the other hand if you look at something like you know actually including the name of a person or, or the name of a specific entity it's not like those articles are, are performing worse than average either let's, let's go and talk a little bit more about the, the 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 different headline types that you you examine the demonstrative adjective the long headline the question were there any of them that performed particularly better or, or worse than the others yeah so so beyond uh, demonstrative adjectives uh, we actually see that that long headlines and I think there I'm, I'm talking about headlines in the the 90th percentile of length I think it was uh, 70-something characters, tend to perform better than average. Um, and this was also surprising me because I was assuming that a short headlines would, would perform better. But maybe it, this, this speaks to something about a, a juxtaposition about expectations. If you find yourself needing to write a long headline, maybe it's because the idea that you have is something that's particularly compelling or interesting. You know, something else that, that performed well was um, including a number in a, in a headline. This is sort of partially statistically significant in that numbers are more likely to be winners of the experiments that they're in. And I, I think that's also something that's going to be going to mean different things for different publishers. That could be a score for a, uh, a sports publishing site, or it could be a 10 things in, in a BuzzFeed style um, article. The one thing that, that didn't perform as well was the use of um, articles. And when I say articles, I mean A and the. Uh, and I'd probably have to you know, speculate a bit to, to why that might be the case. But you might imagine that using a newspaper style of winning, winning lottery tickets sold at Florida 7-Eleven might be more punchy and compelling than the winning topic or the winning lottery ticket was sold at uh, Florida 7-Eleven. Is there a relationship between SEO and, you know, headline clickability, or, or are these are those just sort of two different strategies? SEO is trying to get you to the website, and and uh, you know the clickable clickable headlines are actually getting you to try to read the story. 
Honestly, SEO is not something that I've spent a ton of time thinking about. Okay. Um, from from our perspective, we're actually changing the headline on page, so it's not going to affect the, uh, the SEO. And another sort of consideration is that testing headlines on a on a web page is a very ephemeral thing. Uh, most in, in a lot of cases, most of the traffic that you're going to get is is coming within the first. 30 minutes, hour, two hours of, of publication, or that's sort of the, the lifespan of, of that headline being at the top spot on your page, whereas SEO searchability is a much more long-tailed event. Um, and it might be the case that you know, strategies that, that work for work on the home page in the top spot are, are different than the strategies that are going to work in a search context. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. I think they're very two, two two distinct sort of things. You have to think about the actual story and its long life as compared to what you're you're trying to generate on the front page. You're just trying to maybe be a a multiplier by changing headlines on the front page. You know, try to take advantage of new traffic and and get people to jump onto other things when they're already here. Whereas the the story's long life. I mean, search, social media, so much, so many other things that you have. Maybe not as much hands-on control, mm-hmm. you know, in the long term, but you, you you have you have control in the sense that you write whatever that headline is, or or you know the URL URL, or you've crafted whatever SEO strategy you have around it so that it searches well, uh, or gets shared well. It, it, does this at all figure into social media, it, it, as far as your your headline um, headline testing and writing? Unfortunately, we don't have a good way to test headlines on our on social media or really sort of understand what traffic is coming from from what headlines. Yeah, we, we, we know what the refer is, um, and that, that's sort of where that information ends. Uh, sometimes we can we can get some, some tweet data, um, and that's something that we'd like to, to take more of a look at. But this is something that, that you know, pe- a lot of people are interested in, you know, trying to figure out how to write better um, headlines for search, uh, for, for, for social, uh, for Facebook and, and, the, and the like. After you after you pu- published your your study, someone wrote you and you uh, asked asked about headlines with quotes and how how well they perform. Can you sort of talk about that? Your experience with that? I, I really view the the study that I did as, as sort of a a starting place. It, these are some of the ideas that that I had in my head. But you know, I'm a I'm a data scientist. I'm I'm not someone who's in in the front lines thinking about different headlines every day. So it's really good to get that response from the people that are that are reading. We had a journalist write in about, um, you know, ask, asking about, well, how do articles with quotes perform? And uh, we went back into the data and found it was actually the, uh, the second most significant of the uh, the headline styles that I, I looked at, um, second to uh, demonstrative adjectives. And I can also speculate to, to why that might be in that it, it could often be the case that if some if there is a direct quote that that's striking in some way in that there's some attention drawn to it with the punctuation and in particular I was looking at, at direct quotes but also there's maybe some sense that if you read something that that is quoted maybe you're intrigued to understand the, the context in which that quote was said or maybe you're more likely to believe that is truth or disagree, and you might take that uh, with more weight. Right. You recognize that there may be a little more authority uh, to whatever that statement is, and Mm -hmm. and you sort of 
you know, oh, well, this person said this or, or you know, as you said, it would intrigue you into going a little further. Let me talk to you a little bit about my experiences with, with uh, A-B testing of headlines and then also some changes that I've made in the last week or so since I, I've uh, read your the study and started thinking about uh, my A-B testing in, in different differently. Basically, up until a few weeks ago, A-B testing for us was we saw that a story wasn't performing particularly well. On the website, it wasn't headline wasn't clicking as well in the position that it was in, and so we would go in and we we test a different headline. One of the things that it, of real value that I've been able to see in the last few days is, in particular, is that, uh, from the report where you talk about, you know, don't just test uh, one alternative headline, test multiple uh, different headlines, test different ideas. How important it is to to think about the story and the headlines that you're going to write in different ways. You know, there, you may, there may be one right way to start the process that this is the best starting headline, and then maybe there's, there's a, this is the best SEO headline. This is you know, part of another strategy. But once you start trying alternative ones, you know, looking at the headline, looking at a story from a different direction, you know, maybe I should ask a question. Maybe I should, you know, is there a list in this that I could work this into a list? And just try them and test them and see what works well. And then just follow through and then see how that plays out. And whichever one wins, that becomes the new headline. And then follow that through the day. And, you know, we've seen certainly, you know, since we've been doing A-B testing and making adjustments in our headlines and, and in the position of our stories, we've, we've seen differences in our, in our traffic and in our, in, our, in our click-through rates, in our page views. So, I mean, this is something that I think is, is uh, really a positive sort of process. But it's a learning process as you know, as you go step by step. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's really important to, you know, not only, you know, test as often as possible, but also, you know, keep track of, of what's working and what isn't. I, we have one client who wrote in that said that every week they're putting together a, a report of, you know, with the headlines that did well and, and didn't do well. And that helps writers, you know, learn what techniques that their readers are, are responding to. And, you know, you will become a better headline writer from doing that, and you'll stay current with what your readers are wanting to read. I mean, you alluded to earlier that you know this is something that that changes over time, and I, I think the studies that I've done is, is a starting point, and just to you know help people understand that this is a tool that that they should be taking advantage of, and not to say that this is um, at, at all a finished story. You know, we're going to continue to, to look at our data. Uh, hopefully this will be sort of the first of many blog posts that I'll, I'll be able to put out. You know, I really hope that, you know, people recognize headlines as the, the headline writing as the art form that it is. And, but still you can, you can take insights from the successes, uh, your own successes and successes of others to help guide you um, through what can be a difficult process. Yeah, yeah, and it is. I mean, it is. It's a process. It's a very fluid process. You know, I talked about learning as you go along. If you ask yourself, "Well, I've never had a headline, run a headline like this. I've never run a really long headline, or I've never, you know, we've been shying away from doing question headlines. Well, let's try some of them. See if they work. And if they don't work, you know, try something else. There may not be one answer. There may not be one immediate best answer. You know, try lots of different things until you come up with something that, that, that works and then learn from that. You know, you, you said it yourself, you become a better headline writer. And, and, and I think, 
you know, it, the more you learn, the more data you get about what what succeeds and what fails, and learning from the failures. I, I mean, it's it's just going to make in the long run you're going to have more success in, in being create coming up with new headlines. And I agree, also, it is an art form and is a, is is a creative part of what we're doing here, um, and it and it benefits the the website and, and just making it a more you know welcoming and inviting and and uh, vibrant page where people can sort of react and see you know s- stories that that sort of speak out to them and headlines that that they respond to that's the other thing you you learn a lot about your audience by doing this yeah and you're also you know creating a better environment for your readers i mean the fact that they're clicking more means they they want to be there they want to spend their time on on your site to the extent that i can help you know lead the charge for a better web reading experience uh, for everyone. I would, I'd love to be able to do that. Yeah, and the other—it's the other thing. You, you sort of said something that made me to think. It, it's the—it's sort of going against the old sort of journalism thinking of that. You know, you're the—you're the broadcaster. You're—you know, this is—you sit there and you listen to what I do. But this is a very—you know—reader engagement process. You're—you're you're allowing your readers to help you choose which is the best headline by letting you know what interests them. And so, again, I said before, you, you, you learn about your audience and then maybe you can start anticipating, well, this headline worked like a week ago. This style of headline worked before. Maybe it'll work again in a, in a slightly different way. And, and you sort of grow in, in your understanding of what they, what they want and what works well. And, but still doing your journalistic uh, endeavor. I think some people might be resistant to something like this, thinking is like, oh, well, you know, we're just giving it to the masses. We're not... We're not allowing. We're going against you know our journalistic integrity or our journalistic process. But this is you know this is I think part of the process and engagement online. Yeah, and it's it's a great way to have a conversation with your readers and then really find out what they're responding to. Yeah, um, yeah, and and we even we aren't even talking about you know it helps you. This is this comes more from just page views and seeing what stories perform well. I mean, you can try. You know, I've had stories where we've tried lots of different headlines and in different photos, even to illustrate a story, and the story just isn't interesting to some to to a chunk of our audience. You know, maybe that type of information uh, informs our story choice, or you know, we wrote the story this one way. Maybe we should write it a different way. Uh, you know, it, it actually impacts your your editorial process and in, in, in story choice and and in execution as well. So anyway, this this has been really fascinating, Chris. So you said that you're gonna you're continue to sort of follow this up with with other reports. Yes, I, I'd love to. Um, that's sort of my role on the team um, to sort of push the the story of the data forward, and to the extent that we can find ways to to make this an easier process for. for um, people that are trying to go out there and, and write their own headlines, um, we will you know, embark on that. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to be linking to uh, this study in, in in the online piece for this for this podcast. It, is there a place where people can go to see all of the uh, Chartbeat uh, reports? Uh, yes, we have a an active Chartbeat blog. That's um, you know all the. The data scientists in the company um, will periodically um, post reports on what they're working on. 
along with other people uh, from around the company. Well, cool. Um, I'll make sure I get a link on that as well. Thanks very much, Chris, for, for this conversation. I, I learned a lot. I'm, I'm constantly learning a lot about about this type of uh, how to use this type of data to, to improve uh, website performance and, and the way we do our jobs here. Thanks a lot. Perfect. Thank you. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. Episodes are also available for download at SoundCloud and Stitcher. This week's podcast was produced by Michael O'Connell and Amber Healy. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. We're also a member of the DC Podcasters community on Facebook. You can look for us there. And finally, if you have a product or service that you'd like to advertise on our podcast or on our website, please uh, contact us at editor at itsalljournalism.com. Thanks for listening. Today's podcast is brought to you by Tapacall, a super valuable tool for journalists and professionals looking to record crystal clear calls on their smartphones. We spoke to the folks over at Tapacall and learned that it's actually the number one business app for the iPhone in over 30 countries. Tapacall lets you easily record your incoming and outgoing calls, as well as share your recordings with colleagues, interviewees, and through social media. It's a perfect tool for recording phone interviews. Tapacall keeps people honest and accountable and ensures that you never miss an important detail for a story. Over 3 million professionals, including local news journalists and even CNN producers, trust Tapacall on a day-to-day basis. Visit tapacall.com slash podcast today and experience the easiest, most reliable, and convenient call recording app available. It's All Journalism listeners can get Tapacall at an exclusive 20% off discount by visiting tapacall.com slash podcast.